0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome uh, to Sunday morning. Um, welcome if you're here for the first time. I pray uh, that uh, you all come this morning with a heart that's uh, wanting and desiring to listen to God's Word and God's truths. Um, I think some sometimes people come for different reasons and, and, and in different ways. They come to church or they come to listen to God's Word And it's interesting, just, you know, seeing different people for different reasons, why they seek after God and what's their intention and why they they come to church in the first place. And sometimes I imagine in my mind, like, you you know, when you're coming to church in the morning, in my head I get this image or this picture that people come to the, just before the front door and they um, leave their chains and their shackles outside and then they come inside and they hear the message and then they get up and they go outside again, put their chains and shackles on and off they go. I don't want you to do that, I want you to come with your chains and shackles. If you're bound, I want you to come bound, if you're chained, I want you to come chained. Most religious people leave their chains and shackles outside, they listen to God's Word and then they go outside again and they put their chains back on. But that's not what Jesus called for, Jesus said, I came for the sinner, those who aren't well. Well, he wants you as you are with your chains and shackles so that God can actually break those chains while you're in here. And it's people who are desperate or hungry who actually want those chains broken and that's where you see the power of God. It's those who aren't really hungry but just like to hear about God or hear or know of God but as soon as they leave this building they put their chains and shackles back on because they think that this is what life's about and it's actually more comfortable or secure to be chained to something at least. So I pray that's not your heart. Your heart is that you've come because you really, really want to hear God. You really want to hear what God has to say. You really want to dig into His Word and you really want to apply it to your heart and to your life. Because Christ came to dwell in man. He didn't come to sit in your ear. He wants to live in your heart. And the only way Christ gets to dwell in And sit at the throne of your heart is when you open up your heart to him and say, here I am, Lord, come, dwell in me. So I pray this morning you come with a willing heart. The message that I have titled this morning is called, For His Eyes Alone. So it's called, For His Eyes Alone. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father in heaven, you know every person in this room and your eyes are upon them. You've brought them here that they may hear your word, that they may hear your truth and that in knowing the truth, they may be set free. I pray, Lord God, that you would empty us of ourselves and fill us with all that you are. If there be pride, Lord God, I pray that you humble us. I pray this, Lord God, because... The Bible says that you resist the proud but your grace, your help and your aid is upon those who are humble. The greatest miracle, Lord God, is the breaking of one's pride, the moving the stone from a man's heart that you may come and dwell in them. I pray for this morning that you would do this and those who come to seek your face, we pray this in Jesus' name, Amen. So turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. This is God's word. This is God's truth. In Hebrews, the writer says that no creature is hidden from his sight. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. God knows everything. There isn't anything that is hidden from the eyes of God. Every single detail of your life, God sees. There is no darkness that God's eyes can't penetrate. He knows every action you do. He knows every thing you say he knows every thought you think and more importantly he actually knows not just what he hears but the intent in what you're trying to say not just what you do but the intent in why you do what you do god knows everything See, we have this tendency as people to be fooled by our own actions and by our own thoughts. We actually can deceive ourselves in thinking what seems to be right is right, but it's completely wrong. By nature, we end up harming each other and ourselves because we're actually fooled by some deception. But God isn't like that. God actually knows not just what you do and what you think, but the reason you do it, and the reason you think it. And all of us before God are naked before Him. That's extraordinary to think that every minute of my day is beneath the gaze of God. Why I say what I say. I'm given a situation. I'm confronted with a circumstance. And in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, I'm a nice, good person, and I make a nice, good comment. And God looks past that and says, no, the reason why you make that comment is because you want to be liked. You want to be acknowledged. I see past your intention. And all of us, every single human, is beneath the eyes of God. In fact, the way God sees is different than the way people see There's a story that we are told in the Bible where King Saul disappointed God and the nation and they wanted to choose a new king. So they presented about three men to see who's gonna be king to Samuel. And there's one guy by the name of Eliab and they presented him before the Lord because he looked like a man that was basically equipped to be king, like a ruler. Like if there's any person who's going to do this job, it was this guy, because he was built, his physique was fantastic, he was, he was someone that, that, that you would look at and say, he'd make a great king. Well, when they presented him before the Lord, they said, look at Eliab, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But in verse 7 in Samuel chapter 16, it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord, listen to this, does not see as a man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Everyone looks on the outside, we judge everything on the outside, but God looks past that and he looks at the heart, at the heart, at the core of your being, who you truly are, God knows you. And to everyone else, you might seem or appear to be something or someone, but God knows you. He knows how selfish you can be sometimes. He knows how self-centered you can be sometimes. He knows how uh, self-focused you can be sometimes. He knows how self-absorbed you can be sometimes. And to everyone, you look like someone who's basically okay. To you, yourself, you look like, I'm doing fine. In fact, there's two dangers in the way we see things sometimes. One, when we live our lives beneath the gaze of other people. And two, when you live your life beneath the gaze of your own eyes. The only way you will find life is when you live your life beneath the gaze of God. Imagine, that's freeing, that's liberty. Oh, but I don't want God. I don't want want to follow a God. But do you realize that you're actually living in such a way where you're letting everyone else around you dictate how you should live? Whether you want God or not, you're still binding yourself to your circumstances of how I should do what I need to do based on how everyone else perceives me. Do you know that? Or... You're living your life based on how you perceive yourself, which is completely and could be inaccurate. I would rather live my life beneath the gaze of God's eyes because that frees me. You know what that frees me? It frees me because I don't need to do what you want me to do. I don't need to act or respond the way you would want me to respond. I live in the Lebanese community. I remember growing up in Hachit, age five, In fact, I went there in 1994. And when I lived among these people, beautiful folks, warm, loving, but there was one thing that was quite distinct about this culture. Everybody knew what everybody was doing and everybody was living the way everybody else said or or assumed they should live. And it was oppressive. It was binding. We came to Australia and a new culture and we're doing much the same. And we bind our children. I remember my mum used to say to me, you can't do that, why not? Because what would the neighbours think? What would the people think? What would your auntie think? Look how good your cousin is. So I was brought up, I had to live in a way that oh, you know, every, everyone's eyes is upon me. It was binding. It was, it was paralysing. Even when you come to church, you don't have to act Christian. Be free. Be who you are. Be what God wants you to be. And if you come because you're Christian and I've got to act Christian, you're being religious. That's religion. Jesus Christ set you free. If you're someone who cheats, then cheat. Because God already knows. You don't have to cloak it, you don't have to hide it. If you're someone who lies, lie. God already knows. But don't come to church and take your shackles outside, leave them outside, you come in and you listen, then you put your shackles back on and you leave. Because it's binding. You're still walking out with your shackles. But if you're tired of being bound of what people think and assume of you and you, you're always doing things and how, you, and you want to be free from that, then let Jesus Christ break those, break those shackles. It's freeing to be under the gaze of God For his eyes alone is extraordinary and beautiful. I live my life for Jesus alone. I don't care what you think of me. Your opinions of me don't matter to me. What matters to me is how God sees me and how I'm perceived by God, my creator, the one who made me. You know, when I was young, we used to go to the Essendon swimming Pool, and I remember distinctly, there was a gate there, and my dad would peer through the gate, and I would be swimming, and I could see him at the corner of my eye that my dad's watching. My dad's watching. And so my dad's watching. I want to show my dad what a good swimmer I am. I would dive where he could see me in view. I'd look behind. My dad's watching. I didn't make him know that I'm watching. He's what, you know, I, didn't, you know, I was like oblivious. And I would do the snake. I don't know if he did the snake thing off the edge, the crocodile like off the edge, because I thought that was pretty cool. My mates didn't think that was cool because they could all do that. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. When you sh- I thought that was really good. And then as soon as I got out of the water, I'd look and I'd say, "There's my dad who's watching." And I felt pretty good about myself because I was, I was, I was pleasing him. You know what I mean? Like this, is, I'm your son. You know, look, look what, look what I can do, Dad. Dad, look what I can do. But then I had other group of friends in the pool as well, and there was girls as well. And the girls, I want to impress too. So now my life is under the gaze of these girls and my friends and I'm at the edge of the pool and I can see them at the corner of my eye and I turn my back to the water and I'm going to jump backwards because that's pretty cool. And I did. I bent my knee and lifted up and I jumped backwards and I went up and straight down and my jaw right hit, yeah, that's right, right? Just like that, bang, gone, cut man I stayed under the water I didn't want to get up <laughs> I was waiting I was waiting like, and I pushed myself out further away so that they, they, I couldn't lose them but I had to cut I still got a nail scar right here right because I was under the gaze of people I wanted to live in such a way to impress others to sh- and I forgot the gaze of my father See, my, the gaze of my father kept me safe you know that? See, my father who loves me, I didn't need to kind of prove myself to him because I knew that whatever I did, this is my son. This is how Christians live their life. This is how Christians walk their, 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 their life. They live beneath the loving gaze of God. It's freeing. Unfortunately, a lot of us are bound. We're changing what people think about us what people say about us in fact the way we walk in our christian life is based on how people esteem us if i look religious and if i look holy and if i look like i love god then i win favor or bonus points by other religious people and the bible warns us jesus warned us he goes take heed how you pray in matthew look at this matthew chapter 6 verse 1 he says take heed that you do not do your arms before men, your good deeds, your charity, to be seen of them. Otherwise, you don't have a reward of your Father which is in heaven. Is Is there a reward from God? Of course there is. Can I lose this reward? Of course I can. How do I lose a reward? By doing all these good things before man. That's already my reward. Where people are like, well, you're fantastic. You're brilliant, man. You're awesome. You know, well done. Well, that's your reward. You've been applauded by people. They look at you and they think you're fantastic. That's your reward. But the children of God don't seek their reward from other people. They know that their reward and their peace and their joy and their love comes from Him whose eyes are on His children. That's your greatest reward. That's your greatest reward. Therefore, when you do your alms, don't sound the trumpet before them, as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do your good deeds, let not your left hand know what your right hand does, that your alms may be in secret, and your Father, which sees in secret, himself shall reward you Openly. Now, there's a there's a phrase here. It's the phrase is a father which sees in secret. In verse five, it goes on and he says the same thing. He goes, when you pray, don't pray like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. But I say to you, they already have their reward. But you, when you pray, enter into the closet, go into the secret place, go into the quiet place where no one sees you, no one hears you, no one knows what you're praying for. Shut your door and pray to the Father which is in secret, the Father which is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret, because the eyes of God penetrates the secret, he sees everything, he shall reward you openly. We have a God who sees in secret. Therefore, we live our lives in the secret abode of God. This is where God delights in his children. This is why I'm free. I can do whatever I want to do because if I live to the the glory and to the, the, the righteousness of Jesus Christ before my father's gaze, I'm at peace because he rewards me openly. People get to see that there is a God because look at you. Look at your life. Look how you've been blessed. I've been blessed because I have a father who looks over me. We're not like the hypocrites who pretend or assume. The father, he sees in secret. But listen, I'm not just talking about glory, doing arms, doing good things. But he also sees in secret your pains. God knows your pain. God knows your long sufferings. He knows that those things that hurt you. He sees those things. But again, sometimes we have a tendency as people to mope in our sorrow and to basically stop to, not, not stop talking. Like we've got to tell people how we feel, we've got to tell people how, as though there is no God who actually knows how you feel. We live in a godless way. We did a study on it Thursday night self pity. Self-pity. Self-pity is like a curse to your character. To have have self-pity is like ugly. But a Christian can't have self-pity or shouldn't have self-pity because they've got the gaze of a loving God. They know that God sees my pain. And if God sees my pain, that's enough. That's enough. God knows my sorrow. And if God can feel me and know me, That should be enough. Whether you understand me, it shouldn't determine the state of my well-being. If I feel misunderstood, it shouldn't change my security. God knows me. He sees me. And the problem is this. This is the problem. Some of us, well, the Bible says, When we look and live our life under the gaze of our own eyes, because we're people of different emotions, uh, different experiences, we go from one mood to another mood, we find it very hard to see clearly the truths of God. And so we, we need the Holy Spirit to search and knock In fact, there's uh, synonyms in the Bible where the eyes of God are the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God moves and it searches the heart and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents. It tells me when I live for me. It tells me when I live for others. And it tells me when I'm not living for God. I can either live my life for your eyes only, I can live my life for my eyes only and those very things will chain me and bind me. Or I can live my life for God's eyes alone. Sometimes you have an argument or your discussion with your friend and you say things like this. Well, you don't know my heart. God knows my heart. And that's true. God does know your heart. But the problem is you don't know your heart either. And when you say you don't know my heart, you don't know it either. You know why you don't know it? Because the prophet Jeremiah told us. Listen to what the prophet Jeremiah says. He says in chapter 17, verse 9 to 10, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The heart is desperately wicked who can know it verse 10 i the lord search the heart i test the mind so when someone says oh you don't know my heart i want you to understand something you should also know that you don't know your own heart either And when there's correction or instruction sometimes, or when there's guidance or advice sometimes, you should sit back and say, hang on, I've got to listen to this because the Spirit of God could be talking to me, God could be saying something to me because I know my heart, maybe whether I agree or I disagree, my heart could deceive me. In fact, Paul tells us and he warns us lots of times in the New Testament, he says this, if anyone thinks that they know anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. He actually tells us in another place in Corinthians chapter four, verse three, when, he, when Paul was being judged, and Paul could have made a decision, you know what? Everyone's looking at me, I should live a certain way, I should act a certain way, I should say certain things. Everyone's watching. And even when he was justifying himself, even when Paul was saying, look, this is how it is, this is what it should be, he says this, he goes, but with me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you, or by a human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself. This is Paul who wrote the New Testament. He goes, I don't even judge myself. Why does Paul not judge himself? He goes, "Because for I know of nothing against myself, yet... For I know of nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this. But he who judges me is the Lord. What's Paul saying? Paul's saying is this He says, Listen, even if I was to look into my own heart, even if I was to look into my own life, and I concluded, you know, no, no, I'm all right, I'm all good, he goes, Even that is falling short of who God is who judges me. So, what's it matter? What's it matter if you judge me? Or even if I judge myself, what matters is God's judgment. So Paul lives his life beneath the gaze of God. You know, um, a beautiful story in the New Testament. The picture of the blind man. When the disciples were walking with Jesus and they said to Jesus, why was he born like this? Here we go, right? Here we go. So the disciples, they see a blind man in a particular way? Jesus sees the blind man, the same picture before both eyes? Why was he born like that? Cursed, diseased. Why was he born like that? And Jesus, beneath the gaze of a loving God, says the reason why he's born like that is because God wants to be glorified. One looks as a a disease, the other one looks as the glory of God. Man looks at the negative, God looks at what becomes, what will be. Man looks at devastation, God sees a miracle. A blind man, just like us, he looks at us, sometimes you look at yourself you say, I'm a blind man, but God looks at you and says, no, no, you are someone by faith that can become all that God wants them to be to the glory of God. Oh, but woe me, who, who? And I look, at, I look at myself underneath my own guise. Did you know he even did that with his own son, Jesus, the Father? Look, another beautiful, another beautiful passage in Isaiah. Listen to this one. Isaiah 53. Going through a few verses this morning, but listen. Isaiah 53. For he, referring to Jesus, shall grow up before him, referring to God... So, Jesus was walking always beneath the gaze of God, beneath the gaze of the Father. He didn't have to please anyone other than his Father. He goes, He, Jesus, grew up before Him, God, as a tender plant. This is how the Father saw Jesus as a tender plant, a gentle tree, a sprouting uh, plant ready to grow. And it says that He saw Him and as a root out of dry ground. This, this thing that's ready to, to, to just come to life in the desert, out of a dry ground. Now listen to this. He has no form or comeliness, meaning there's no stature or beauty. And when we see him, this is the, how, man, how man now sees things, there is no beauty that we should desire him. God sees his own son as this root ready to sprout ready to bring the whole world to him, ready to grow out of a desert in in, in a place where it's barren and there's no water and nothing will grow here. And he looks and he sees his son and is like, ready to grow. And we, we see things, oh, he's not even good looking. We don't even esteem him. We don't even want him. But that's not how God sees, you see. God saw that his son was gentle in a very, very evil, dark world. And the world, when they looked at Jesus, they saw, oh, he's a wine-bibber, he's an he's a, he's a alcoholic, he's a glutton, he eats too much. In fact, he's a criminal, and they hang him up on the tree. But when God looked at Jesus, he's my beloved son in whom I am well-pleased. And it's the same with every single person in this room. The way you see yourself may not be the way God sees you. Some of you say, oh, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. That's not how God may see you. God will say, hang on. You don't have Jesus in your heart. You don't live for me. But I'm good. I do good things. Hang on. My eyes are holy and righteous and clean. And I see sin. And then there are other on the other end saying, oh, woe me, woe me. Like, oh, woe me. I can never please God. Oh, you know, woe me. And God says, hang on. You're my child. You need to get up, rise up, follow me. So because you're living your life underneath your own eyes, your own gaze. You're not living your life beneath the loving eyes of God. There was a lady that basically wrote this song many years ago, and you know this one, you know this song. It's a beautiful song. His Eyes on the Sparrow by Sevilla Martin. You heard that? I love this song, you know I love this song, because the verse and the, the chorus is like the tempo almost changes. It's almost like you feel her excitement when she says, why should I feel discouraged? why should the shadows come? Why should my heart feel lonely and long for heaven and home? When Jesus is my portion, a constant friend is he. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches over me. His eye, she repeats it, because you know, you know, as, a, as a poet, as a writer, you You can feel her her creativity. His eye is on the sparrow and I know he watches over me. And this is the climax, the chorus. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. For his eye is on the sparrow, I know he watches over me. Consider it. If the eyes of God... Is upon you and God is pleased by who you are and by your faith. What's it matter what people think or say? And then reconsider it. If God's eyes are upon you and He's displeased, He's angry, He's not happy, then what's it matter what people say? They can applaud you. They can say you're the best. The the holy, loving eyes of God is like a fire upon you. What's it matter how good someone thinks you are? Let me explain something to you, and I'll finish off soon. You know, Herod. Herod had an issue. He had a problem. He He was a man tied up by his emotions. So all it took was Herodias' daughter, Salome, to dance before him, before his heart was captivated. And so beneath his gaze, beneath his eyes, was a woman that basically strutted and flirted and danced her way into his imagination. And beneath his eyes was this this act that was sinister and evil. So much so that it costs something. It costs the head of a righteous, holy man. Beneath the eyes of a world that is is dark, always costs something. Beneath the eyes of this kingdom, this world, something's got to give. But beneath the eyes of a holy God, when He sees His holy people, His righteous people, His church dance, holiness, righteousness, purity. Just like Herod who was swayed toward evil and to bring death, God when he sees beneath his eyes a holy bride, he is swayed towards righteousness and brings life. When you walk righteously before your living God and everything you do is done in a way that only his, only his eyes matter. What I say, how I live, how I act, only His eyes matter. Not what my friends think, not what my family thinks, not what my, my wife thinks. Only His eyes matter. God's hand moves such a way, as He says, reward, reward, reward openly. There's no, he's not He's not ashamed it's in complete contrast to those who live their lives based on people's opinions what they think of them it's freeing it's freeing it's it's beautiful to not care and the weight of someone's view about you doesn't pull you down it's freeing do you get what i'm saying can you do you feel what i'm saying so don't you want that brothers and sisters and anyone who hears for the first time Aren't you tired of the chains that bind you so that people can look up to you or applaud you or do whatever they need to do that influences certain behaviors that only chain you up? Isn't that sickening to you? Don't you feel the weight of trying to impress others? Don't you feel the the burden of trying to always meet someone's expectations? When all Christ ever asked for is to come to me. That's all. Just come to me and I'll give you peace. Come to me and I will carry you. Come to me and I'll wash you. Come to me and I'll cleanse you. And then we say, no, 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 leave me alone. I'd rather the opinion of my friend. That really matters to me. I'd rather tr- trust in the perishing, just like I'm perishing. <laughs> that, that really matters to me. I'd rather trust in the time, temporary time of existence of just a simple two-minute applause, my five minutes of fame. That really matters to me. When God who sets free into eternity, you want to be changed for a lifetime. Let me share with you a verse and I'll finish. Psalm 32 verse 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. There is no counsel No advice, no opinion, far more greater or far more valuable than the eye of God upon you. Amen? Come on, right? There is nothing of more value, more peace, more joy, more safety, more security than the eye of God upon us. Amen? Amen. Praise God. (laughs) Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father in heaven, we give you thanks. We give you praise because you are the living God. And Lord God, you've called us to understand you, to know you, to live for you, to surrender everything at your feet. I pray, Lord God, for those who have come this morning that they would be wise enough, courageous enough, uh, that Lord God, that they would let go, let go of those things that hold them down to this earth. To this life, Father, that they may seek eternity, seek a life in the Spirit, a life of peace and righteousness and holiness that only comes in knowing you. I pray, Father, for those who you are calling, you're knocking at the door of their heart. I pray, Lord God, that you would open their eyes, open their ears. Show them your goodness, Lord God. Let them know how good you are, that nothing, nothing compares in this world. And to not have you They lose everything. I pray, Father, that they would know you as you are. Thank you, Father, for your beautiful eyes upon us, that you watch over us, that our life may be pleasing only before you and for your eyes alone. We dedicate and commit our life to you, Lord God, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.